I want to look at a phrase in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Paul has said, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together. Okay, there you go. Dave noted, pointed out to me, that's a grand bill sharp. So the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together, those two things, a common notion is asserted about those two things because of the one article and the two substantives connected with Chi without a second article. That's a technical Greek issue, but that's why we go to seminary. <clears throat> Do not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by letter, as if from us, or by word or by letter, as if from us, that the day of the Lord is at hand. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you, and deceive here is not one of your, Kevin, one of your lying terms. It's a different term. Now, Kevin looked at this word. Here it's in compound. It's, it occurs in compound uh, so that it intensifies it. And I've given you four other places it occurs. It's ex apatao. Now, I, I've come to feel, we may have some varied opinion on this, but I've come to feel that this has to do with persuasive appeal to your rationale. It's not necessarily a bald-faced lie. It may be a lie, but not such, I mean, it's not necessarily on its face outlandish. There's an appeal. I think the soul is involved here. I think this is an appeal to the soul on the basis of something that is designed to look very logical to you. <clears throat> it is, Marvin Vincent says, this is not just a false impression, but actual leading astray. So it is deceptive and leads astray. Romans 7, 1, for sin, take it occasion by, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. The sin nature is very persuasive. 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. Now, how often do you suppose that happens? Apparently, there's a danger that it would happen because here's a warning against it. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Romans 16.18, for they that are... For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And you have to put this in context. And by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Words are going to be involved here persuasively. Second um, Thessalonians 11.3. Listen to this. But I fear lest it by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, and your word there is beguiled. <clears throat> as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in the Christ. There was there was some persuasive appeal there. And Kevin, I noted for them before you came back 
The term here, deceive, in verse 3 is not one of your lying terms. I mean, not, not one that... You, you looked at the apatao, you looked at the noun form of that, as I recall. Here it's in compound with the X, or with the ek preposition, and it's a, it intensifies it. Okay, Be not deceived. Let no man deceive you with smooth talk, smooth words, in such a manner as to lead you astray. Thoroughly lead you astray. Don't let it happen by any means. For that day, the day of the Lord mentioned previously, shall not come except, if not, I think it's, it's aeon, with a subjunctive here as I recall, except there come first, now do something. How many of your English texts have an article here? The... Falling away. Lynn? You, you, got a, you got an interlinear, but does the English text have A? How many of your English texts here have a definite article? Troy, how about yours? Okay. Would it change your mind? I mean, would, would it change your thinking at all if I told you there's an article here and there is no textual issue? It'd be safe for you to say yes, you're just not sure how it would change your mind yet, but there's an article here. So this is not just a quality of whatever this falling away is, according to the English translators. The word is apostasia. Anybody know what apostasy is? That English word comes from this Greek term. Troy, what's apostasy? What's that? Leaving what? What would you say? The faith, leaving the faith, leaving sound doctrine, the sound doctrinal position. And it's not just any doctrinal departure. Religious what? Apostasy. Um, <clears throat> it's a specific one. Now, I'm not picking on Troy, but I love Troy. And, uh, well, I shouldn't have said but. Uh, I love Troy, and I want him to benefit from this. So... And he didn't know I was going to do this. Oh, my word, I turned my computer on accidentally. Um, the article is overwhelmingly, in the Greek language, an identifier. Now, we cannot reduce an explanation of the Greek definite article to that simple statement. But that will serve as a general heading. And here is, I don't, know of a, I don't know of anybody that I would trust in Greek that would not agree with this. When the article is there, the student of Scripture, if he's going to be held accountable as a diligent workman who needeth not to be ashamed, he is going to ask why the article is here. Troy, why is the article here? Yeah, it's a specific apostasy. So pretend you're, let's say, let's say you're the, you're one of the Thessalonian Christians, Joe. And you're reading this letter and you're thinking, Paul's making mention, he's putting stuff in sequence. The apostasy will happen before the day of the Lord. Okay, now that sets my mind at ease. Well, what apostasy? Troy, what apostasy? 
Not a clue? How about the one in uh, the pastoral epistles that he says in the latter days, look for this. That hadn't been written yet. That wasn't a part of scripture yet. There is a specific apostasy that will occur before the day of the Lord. What does the term apostasy mean? Does anybody have an alternate notion? Has anybody ever looked this term up in, in the dictionary? Michael, you're grinning, have you? <laughs> does, it, does anybody have an alternate notion about the English word apostasy from what Troy has offered? Religious departure from sound doctrine. Huh? Didn't quite, or from truth. Departure from truth, departure from sound doctrine, working definition, departure from sound doctrine. Would you accept that? Lynn? Okay. Troy, how about you? Okay. You're caving in too easily. Troy. (laughs) The departure from sound doctrine has to happen before the day of the Lord. You remember at the end of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians, he said, Wherefore, comfort one another with these things. Do you remember at the beginning of this chapter, he said, Do not be soon shaken. Do not be troubled in your mind as if from us by word or letter or some person. Do not be upset. Because there is going to be a broad departure from sound doctrine that has to happen before the trib. And you haven't seen it yet, apparently. So, take heart. We got news that our house was going to be bombed and that there was going to be a drive-by. Don't know whether it's true or not, but there have been several in the neighborhood recently. I wonder if someone's bombed the house while we were gone. Oh, wait a minute. With that secret covert information that we discovered, there was supposed to be uh, another catastrophe here in Titusville before our house got bombed. We haven't seen that catastrophe yet, so we know our house hadn't been bombed yet. Boy, let's eagerly anticipate that catastrophe. There's going to be a departure from sound doctrine if we accept that working definition before the day of the Lord. And that departure from sound doctrine hasn't happened yet. So take heart. Well, it's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, no. Oh, man. Kevin, are we going to be able to have services? What are we going to do? We're going to have to meet at Kevin's house. you got room. That is hardly a sequence upon which to base encouragement to New Testament saints who understand perfectly that the day of the Lord (coughs) is a time of unprecedented horror. But take heart. You're looking for a departure from sound doctrine first. And when that happens, then you can be confident and comfortable that the day of the Lord is right around the corner. Hardly a recipe for comfort. Hardly a recipe for encouragement. 
<coughs> and why did Joe here not ask I remember you telling us about a departure from sound doctrine, Paul. Which one is it you're talking about? You know why? Because he hadn't told them about a departure from sound doctrine. A specific one does not exist in Scripture. You know what Scripture says? It would be characteristic of the last days that men will depart from sound doctrine. But he doesn't say that until he writes to Timothy. At this point, there had been no Hey, apostasia, articular, departure from sound doctrine. The translators have since this writing made a theological term out of a word that only occurs in the New Testament twice. Once here and once in Acts 21.21, and you can read that. By definition, this word does not mean religious departure. Know what it means by definition? Anybody have an idea? No one? Means departure. Means departure. It does mean departure. It is much like the term repentance. Repentance has become a theological term based on a faulty analysis of the Greek text. This has become a theological term <coughs> based on a faulty grammatical analysis. Two occurrences. In Acts 21, you, <coughs> you have the case where James said to Paul, Paul, um, uh, there are some guys locally and they've heard that you're teaching to forsake, depart from Moses. Departure from sound doctrine? You decide. The context surely supports depart from Moses' doctrine. So, Paul, Paul, here, we got an idea. Um, <coughs> would you <coughs> enter into a compact with the guy? Would you, would you take a vow uh, and get together with them and assure them that you're not talking against Moses, that you still believe, I'm good, thanks, buddy, that you still believe that the law is binding? Could, could, could you do that, Paul? And those of you who have studied the context, many of you are persuaded that Paul probably should not have agreed with James there. Because quite frankly, if you understand Pauline theology, you understand that something new has happened and there was reason not to kick the teaching of Moses to the curb, but to put them in their context. They are no longer instruction in righteousness for New Testament saints. The hey apostasia, know these things. First of all, it's articular. You have to ask what it references. Why does Paul reference this hey apostasia to this church who needs to be encouraged about things he's taught them? If you look at 1 Thessalonians, there is no reference to a religious departure. None. So why does he offer this to them with no explanation? You know what he did tell them about? He told them about the day of the Lord. And he told them about the rapture. And by the way, I 
If you look at, if you study the etymology of the English word apostasia, apa from stasis, stasia, classical forms, which most lexicographers will agree antedate or are the basis for the word aphistemi. Dave, real quick and dirty, how would you explain the verb aphistemi? <laughs> would you agree with this? <coughs> A pa from basic notion, ablative notion, from histemi. Stand. Stand away. <coughs> you know what the classical terms stasia and stasis mean? I'm an actor on stage and here are my marks. Be sure to hit your marks. You know what a stasis is? It's a cis ending. Now, you know what stasia is? It's a standing place. And the apa preposition couples, that, couples with that the notion of away from. Stand away. A me occurs fifth times in the New Testament. I'll let you do the work. I've provided it for you in your notes. Of those 15 times, 11 of, in one case, it's actually translated depart. I submit to you that the term apostasy, if it's analyzed according to its context in Scripture, does not mean religious departure, but rather means departure. And by context, the student will then decide, does it mean religious departure? Does it mean departure from sound doctrine? Actually, I think in the notes that I've given you, you'll find that of the, of the 15 times it occurs, 12 of them are departure where there's no religious issue at all. And in one case, at least one case, it's translated departure. Listen to the way four translations from the 1500s translated the term apostasy, the <coughs> apostasia, 2 Thessalonians 2. Listen. <coughs> Courtney, I'm doing too much yelling. That's my problem. Tyndall, recognize him? Language guy, translations. 1526, departing. The Coverdale Bible, 1535 A.D., departing. Biza, translation, 1565, departing. Now, I skipped over one, didn't I? I skipped over the Geneva Bible, which was which dates to 1557. <clears throat> Any of you besides Dave know what's distinctive about the Geneva Bible? Anyone? None? No one? Anybody have, I don't want to be unkind, but does anyone have friends who are unabashedly Reformed? Why not? You should. I do. You know, of my friends that are unabashedly Reformed, if they have study Bibles, you know what their study Bibles are? 
overwhelmingly Geneva. You know how Geneva, the Geneva Bible translates hey, the apostasia in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3? The Geneva Bible, upon which most of the English translations that are the basis for Reformed study Bibles, departing. That sets a whole denomination's teeth on edge. You can research it if you want. 1557, Geneva Bible, departing. <clears throat> George Milligan, Moulton and Milligan, Dave made reference to Moulton and Geddon earlier. Oswald T. Allison noted uh, post-millennial or, or amillennial. What, post-millennial or amillennial, would you say? Do you remember? I mean, I'm not sure I can remember. Kevin, do you know? Amillennial? Didn't believe in the rapture. But you know what he said? Because of the article in chapter 2, verse 3, you have to ask, what departure are they talking about? What apostasia are they talking about? What religious departure are they talking about? And isn't it interesting that he doesn't tell them? He doesn't have to. If you're disciplined and by context you refuse to be convinced that upon the basis of two uses alone and by context here, he is talking about a departure. And say, what departure would he not have had to explain to them in the second letter? What departure would he not have to have explained to them in his second letter? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe, that's a first-class condition, that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep through the instrumental agency, dia, of Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, Paul presumes, he may number among those which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Harpazo. Word occurs 12 times in the New Testament. It is a biblical term. And the next time someone tells you the harpazo or the rapture is not a biblical term, you tell them, I understand that because there are no English words in the Scripture. It wasn't written in English. But there is a Greek word <coughs> which most certainly means caught away suddenly and with great force. And if you look at the Merriam-Webster, 3rd New International, unabridged. You know how it will define rapture? The catching away of the church to be with Christ among its entries. Caught up, enraptured. Caught away, I was thrilled I was enraptured. <coughs> and I've given you 12 references where Harpazo is available for you to study caught up together with them in the clouds to meet in clouds equality of clouds that's uh, an arthur to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord John 14 verses 1 through 3 if I 
If I go away, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be always, you may be also, and by the way, always, forever. Wherefore, what? Take comfort. Take comfort. Oh, uh, well, let me put things in order for you. Um, your house hasn't been bombed yet because that other house hasn't blown up yet. But when that house blows up, then you can expect your house to get blown up. Sequence this departure in a manner, in a, in a sequence in which there's no reason to take comfort and then say be comforted by it. Makes no sense. By context, hey apostasia does mean the departure. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. And Paul tells him with confidence, and you may know with confidence, that it is your blessed hope that that will occur and you will participate in that glorious event before the day of the Lord. There is no reason for the Lord to leave His church, His betrothed one who is to become His body, I mean who is to become His bride on earth to experience that period of time which is designed to try everyone on the earth, not as if there was some protective shelter for the church over here, oh, it's going to be unprecedented, it's going to be a horror, but God can save you through it. He certainly can. He's chosen to save us by taking us out. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And oh, by the way, this departure I'm talking about, saints, going to happen before the day of the Lord. You know all about the day of the Lord. Yeah, it's going to happen before. The man of sin will not be revealed unless the departure happens first. Y'all clear on the departure, right? We talked about it when I was with you. And by the way, read through that description of the man of sin again, the man of lawlessness. He opposes that word for oppose, I've given you some references. He exalts himself, he lifts himself up above all that is called God, anarthrus, all that is inequality of God or that is worshipped. And that word is sabasma, which can be applied man to man, so to speak. Acts 17, to the unknown God in the inscription on Mars Hill. Mars Hill. That's not God most high. <coughs> But he will assume a position in the temple of God. We have to presume that he is going to usurp what rightfully belongs to God Most High in Israel's temple. And this is going to happen from an individual who has promised them peace and safety. And said, if anybody wants to trifle with you, they have to come through me first. And by the way, don't you know a ruler, an international ruler has already done that? Not in fulfillment of this, but someone has already done it. Are you aware of that? A couple of years ago, Putin said, hey, listen, if nobody else will stand good for Israel, we will. We'll protect Israel from the other Arab nations. I thought, oh my word. Not such a far-flung notion. This prophecy has not yet been fulfilled. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 has not yet been fulfilled. But it may be commonplace. By the time it actually happens in fulfillment of the prophecy of Scripture, Putin's already done it. We've been the proxy for how many since, what, 48? Anybody knows they trifled Israel until recently. You're going to have to deal with the United States. wonder how long that will last. 
You told anybody recently? Brittany, I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> I love Brittany because she's unaffected. She's just sort of like doing what she thinks she ought to be doing. Inviting people to church and just being nice. Have you told anybody, any friends about the rapture? I'm kind of putting you on the spot, I know, and I'm sorry for that, but... Probably. Oh, we're... Yeah, I... I don't know if I'm going to be around for the 2024 election cycle because... Um, well, you've heard about the rapture. I, I'm kind of... I'm one of those guys. I, I, I believe in that stuff. And I'll... You know, I'll be gone. I've told people that. I think I'm crazy. Um, <clears throat> okay, have you heard this? Have you told good friends? Have you talked to good friends about uh, the shadows on the uh, near horizon and said, you know, I, I've said to people recently, I don't know, we're going to be here that much longer. Dave thinks we're leaving before you have to get on the plane to go back to Oregon, right? Well, that could happen. Um, how many of them said to you, well, yeah, but, I mean, you know, people have been, yeah, but haven't people been saying that for hundreds of years? Yeah, Jill. <laughs> so what are you saying? You're, you're thinking of some people you've told that to, or are you actually speaking for yourself when you say that? I just remember all kinds of Yeah. Yeah, come on, you guys. I mean, you know, you get every generation gets all wrapped around the axle about the rapture, the rapture of the church, and terms not even found in script. Yes, it is. Go home, look at those references I gave you, harpods or some form of it, snatched away suddenly with great force. <clears throat> yeah, people have been saying that for listen. Listen to Second Peter three verses one through ten. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you. I stir you up. Uh, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Want you to be mindful. I can't read through all of this. I'm not going to have time. Well, maybe I can. We'll see. Um, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord. And Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Now, this is Peter. He writes pretty late, right? The Thessalonian Christians, when Paul wrote in Second Thessalonians, didn't have this. We do know that by way by the last times are going to be characterized by lack of faith. <clears throat> But that's not the specific doctrinal departure which has to be in view in 2 Thessalonians 2 if you accept that apostasia means doctrinal departure. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts, saying, you know what comes next, don't you? Where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? Now, let me look at the form of the word promise here. Okay, this is, this is the common word for promise. What do you know about promise? <coughs> what do you know about promise? I'm not going to pick on you, Joe, because, well, because I don't want to. <laughs> promise 
hope, faith, and in all likelihood some hupomone, some endurance worked in, which ought to result in you being loving to the brethren. But promise, hope, faith. Your faith requires a promise. Requires a positive affirmation from God. From which you derive hope. And what is hope? Hope is absolute... Objective certainty. Dan talked about it. And several people have mentioned it, I'm sure, but I remember Dan talked about it. It's objective certainty. Why? Because you know the promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And we have the record of Scripture to demonstrate that. And by the way, that's one of the reasons you study the Old Testament. And we've said this before, and we'll probably say it again. It is the record of God being faithful, more particularly to his people, but being faithful to his word. So he makes a positive affirmation. What is necessary for hope to function? Cindy, I'm going to give you a kiss. Oh, she's so excited. She's hoping. If I rush down there and give her the kiss, she's not hoping for anything anymore. She's already got it. I'm hoping for a pizza. I'm hoping for a Coke when I come to, I mean, uh, ginger ale when I get out of the pulpit here. But once I get the ginger ale, I'm not hoping anymore. I've got it. Romans chapter chapter 8 says once you, the thing you hope for comes into view, you have no reason to hope anymore. But you know what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says about hope? Now, about faith and hope. Now, faith is the substantizing. Dave, can I say undergirding? Is that permissible? Undergirding, substantizing. It's a cis-ending noun which we treat in English as a participle. A participle is a verb that ends in ing. That's not technically accurate, but it's helpful. Now, faith is the substantizing, the undergirding of things. When I get into these explanations, I always lose my momentum. Now, faith is the undergirding of things hoped for. What is necessary to hope? That there's been a promise from which you derive hope. Now, faith is the undergirding of things hoped for. I don't see it yet. The certain conviction, the objective certainty. And that comes from the word, who talked about it the other night? Conviction. Went to John 16. Was it Dennis or who was it? He went to John 16, verse 7 and 8 through 11. Talked about the sin of unbelief. Was that you? Who was it? Anyway. It's the word for conviction in the mind of a reality. Now, faith is the undergirding. Faith is the undergirding of the things hoped for. The certain conviction of things not seen. What do you know about the promises of God? They absolutely have to be fulfilled. And by the way, Dennis did a wonderful job of telling us that the promises to Israel have to be fulfilled. Count on them. And by the way, don't you know that great and precious promises have been made to you? He has to keep his word. He's God. So, you well know that this idea we're talking about, 
which we see in 1 Thessalonians 4, which we talked about in 2 Thessalonians 2, is called by Paul to Titus, Titus chapter 2, your blessed hope. It's been referred to at least once in this conference as your happy hope. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you guys are always talk about the rapture. Haven't they been saying that for hundreds of years? <clears throat> I want you to follow me carefully here and we're done. Do you want to be known as people who live by faith? I hope you do. If faith looks at the object of the thing promised, which is yet out of sight, can't see it yet, but I know it's there because I know the one who promised. Right? So I know it's there. And I bring that into present tense, the reality, the objective certainty, the certain conviction that that has to happen. I bring it into present tense. Put it in the bank today. Use it today. If hope is designed to help me live by faith today, You convince me, if you please, that you are living by faith if you do not do with the blessed hope what what revelation of that truth was designed to do for you. Uh, That particular promise, I'll tell you what I do with that. I've got the promises. I'll tell you the ones that are really important to me. You died for my sin. That better be important to you. Because of what he did, I can walk right into the presence of the Father. Righteous. Imputed righteousness. This rapture thing. See now, um, my dad believed that. Still does, by the way. He's with the Lord. Still does. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, see, I put stuff like, I don't, I don't think we, and I don't think we'd be that dogmatic in church about these things. Because we can't really, I mean, when it happens, if it happens, then we'll know. It's called your happy hope. Because it is based on a promise of God that you were meant to utilize in present tense. And I preached from our pulpit not so many weeks ago that the one who does this is actively keeping himself pure. Saints, don't tell me you're spirit-filled. Don't tell me you're comfortably at ease in the doctrine concerning the Christ. Don't tell me you are trying, as our brother encouraged us, to do, to understand and do, to hear and do the desirous will of God, if you have decided that certain promises he meant, made to you may be relegated to the, oh, uh, uncertainty. Well, we really can't be sure. He's sure. I'm sure.
he's sure. Or I wouldn't have come down here. And that's not just a lot of machismo. There are some things I don't understand. There are some things the Lord hasn't taught me yet. There are some things about which I am yet uncertain. I don't know how long I'm going to live in this. I don't want my wife to have to stay here after I'm gone. So I kind of hope we go together. Like to go on the same ride with uh, Dave. You know, he thinks he's going live. What's he been eating? What's he been reading? If the blessed hope is a happy hope, behave yourself. Do not relegate the promises of God to categories. Do not merchandise them. At best, that's careless. At worst, it's reckless. Hope, if it is functioning for you the way it is meant to function, is about imminency. I will exercise the faith (coughs) that issues from the hope that is drawn from the promise. Oh, who said at a more convenient time? I have things to worry about now. I think you get my point.